I feel like that would be a song that Ted Lasso would just say. That's kind of like why he gets up in the morning. Some way this man, this character, sees something in everyone he meets. He sees potential. And when, he, when we're talking about his players on the football team, he's not talking about their skill on the field. He's talking about the, their potential to be the best human beings they can be. Now, I don't know if you guys know much about soccer. I know a little bit, and my son-in-law knows a lot about soccer. So I was quizzing him this last week about the Premier League. So I want you to understand, Ted in this show is just a normal guy. It's not like he's some exceptional human being, although he does have some amazing qualities. But the Premier League, he has a job, to, let's put it this way, in the MLB, it's equivalent to the MLB or the NFL or the NBA. He's one of the coaches of the top soccer league on the globe, more viewership across the globe than those three sports I mentioned here combined. And if you are in one of the three lowest, worst records every year, you get what's called relegated to the lower league. So imagine if they went to the Kansas City Royals because they finished in one of the bottom three positions and they said, you now are going to be in triple-A ball. We're going to call you the Midwest Mud Daubers. Yeehaw! It's a stressful job. And this is going to let the cat out of the bag, but we've been doing that all month. So if you haven't watched the show, plug your ears, leave, or just accept that you're, not, you're going to hear some things about it. His boss, the owner, she's getting divorced or is divorced, and in the divorce, she got the team. And she wants to destroy the team because she knows that's her ex-husband's one true love. That's why she hires this guy from Wichita State who had just won a Division II national championship in college football at the Division II level to be a Premier League European football coach because she thinks he's bound to fail. So that gives you a little insight. He, he's going through a divorce himself or soon will be. He just left the Midwest to be in England and be away from his family. He's beginning to have panic attacks. This is a real guy. And yet, as I watched it, I, and I hesitantly watched it because I was speaking today. Rachel McDonald, who's on staff here at Shoal Creek, she's our music person and helps with the programming of this experience so much. She said, you have to watch it. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Finally, Julie and I sat down, and then we binged watched it. Now, I came in the next Wednesday to the staff meeting, and pardon my French, but I said, hey, do you effing know what the effing thing, the effing this and the effing that? Sorry, I've been watching Ted Lasso, and I feel like he can't say, they can't say anything without the F-bomb. So I don't know if Brits actually do that. If they do, they got a potty mouth, and they need a Mentos. <laughs> but nonetheless, I digress. Ted Lasso, just an ordinary guy. But he vows to make a difference. And he vows to make a difference, whether it results in wins or losses or not, is that he sees the potential in the human beings that he interacts with, and he's very intentional about connecting with them, about relating to them, about asking how they're doing. So much so that when I first started watching it, I was like, man, I don't know many people like that. 
And then I thought, why don't I know many people like that? And then I thought, why am I not like that? A lot more. Those kind of folks that I've ran into in my life that are very positive that way and ask questions and lift up and are curious and are always trying to help you become someone better, I always thought that maybe when they went home at the end of the day, they just haul off and kick their dog because they couldn't keep that positivity going all hours of the day. They maintain it out in public, but when they get home, you know, Rover pays for it. I think the thing about this show to keep in mind is that it's about ordinary people trying to do life, trying to do their job. Some of them are dealing with amazing pain in their life. Some are dealing with parental pain in their life. Ted's father committed suicide when he was 16, and he hasn't dealt with it well, and he's beginning to have to deal with it at his age. I think his biggest hurdle, though, his biggest hurdle Regardless of the fan base, his biggest hurdle on the job with what he's trying to do to call out the potential in every human being he interacts with is getting people to believe. Whether to believe in themselves or that they could be something different or a better future, it's getting people to believe. Let's watch this clip from his halftime speech or one of his halftime speeches to the team. Hey, sit down and listen. Got ourselves a tie game. Nice work. Fellas, we're broken. We need to change. And look, I know change can be scary. One minute, you're playing freeze tag out there at recess with all your buddies. Next thing you know, you're getting zits, your voice gets low. And every time your art teacher, Miss Scanlon, leans over your desk to check and see how your project's going, you feel all squiggly inside. <laughs> mm. She was a striking woman. Not classically beautiful, but striking. First time I ever saw a tan line. Most of the time, change is a good thing. Now, I think that's what it's all about. Embracing change. Being brave. Doing whatever you have to, so that everyone in your life can move forward there. Because maybe it's the only way you can truly help her be happy. Obviously, by her, I'm referring to lady football. Good save. Sam. We're going to shift you to midfield for the second half. And Beard's going to walk you all through the rest of the changes. Oh, hey, 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 one last thing. And I want everyone's eyes on me when I say this. Look at me. I think it's amazing that he only has like one football reference in that, talking about where Sam's going to play. So not only coaching for the larger part of a game and just becoming a team and realizing they're broken. They're broken not only as a team, they're broken as individuals. I think he could be speaking to us. Sometimes for the good news to be good news, it has to be bad news first. 
something has to agitate you, irritate you, to, to move out of complacency, to move out of the state at which you are in, to, to move to a higher potential plane. Before we can change, Ted says, I believe God would say to us, we have to trust him. We have to believe him, not just believe in him, like that he exists, but trust that he wants to be a part of our lives, that he loves us, that he believes in us. So regardless of where you find yourself today, whether you feel believed in by a family member or not, whether you feel believed in by a boss or not, or a child or a friend, the Bible claims that you have a God that believes you could be so much more. You could return to his family. You could be enlivened by his spirit. Not so that you live a perfect life, but that so you live a, an emotionally connected life, a relationally connected life with him and others. He sees the potential in every human being he ever made. I, was, I came across this passage. I could not lay my eyes on it, so I, obviously I went to, you know, Google. But there was a passage uh, it comes from Mark 9, and I'm just going to paraphrase it except for a couple sentences in it. It's coming out of Mark 9, 17 through 24, roughly. But a man in, in the crowd says, teacher, and Jesus was present at this time. He says, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And Jesus responded, well, how long has this been happening? He asked the father, and the father replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. Jesus says, what do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked, anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me with overcome my unbelief. And I think that father expresses a lot about what happens in us. As human beings, there are moments and times where we believe, where we trust, where we can have hope. And then there are other times where we, we waver in that belief and that hope and that trust and that faith. And Jesus says, you can trust me. You can believe me and I will help you with your unbelief or to overcome it. So often, we need someone, maybe like a Ted Lasso in our lives, to help us think differently about ourselves, to see something in us that we don't see. I have a good friend who I will not name right now because he wouldn't necessarily like it, but he's been in a couple different jobs that I could tell were not what he was doing, what he needed to do, but the risk to do the thing he wanted to do was huge. But he jumped and he took the risk. And he was texting me some things and he was showing me some things he was working on in this new passion, not really new, it's an old passion, renewed. And I, I said, thank God you were not doing either one of those two previous jobs. And he just wrote back, well, thank you. Sometimes we have to be the Ted Lasso in someone else's life. 
We are called to be the light to come to them and say, hey, I believe in you. I believe that you are human just like me. I have my junk, you have your junk. We're not going to focus on that. We're going to speak truth to one another, though. Let's get authentic. Let's be in relationship. But I believe in you. And what that can say to a person is just magnificent. I don't know if you're like me. I'm sure you are in many ways in that sometimes I can wake up and I can feel hopeless. A lot in the last 18 months, to be honest with you, just some of the state of our country and what I thought and who I thought our country was. And, and what I mean by that is it's just, it's just been shattered a little bit, been more than fractured. And whatever that means, whatever side you're on, I hope that we could just move to the center and listen to the other per person. But the point is I wake up and I'm like, oh my gosh. And the first thought that I have is, huh, I don't want my grandkids to grow up in this crazy world. Hopeless. Let's watch a little clip from Ted Lasso about hope and hopelessness. So I've been hearing this phrase y'all got over here that I ain't too crazy about. <laughs> it's the hope that kills you. Y'all know that? I disagree, you know? I think it's the lack of hope that comes and gets you. See, I believe in hope. I believe in belief. Now, where I'm from, we got a saying too. Yeah? Uh, question at you. Do you believe in miracles? Now, I don't need y'all to answer that question for me. But I do want you to answer that question for yourselves. Right now. Do you believe in miracles? I would like you all, if you would appease me, to close your eyes. I'm going to close mine too. To those of you online, close your eyes. And answer that question to yourself. Do you believe in miracles? All right, you can open your eyes. Do you believe in hope? Do you believe in believe? Do you believe in miracles? Do you know where that saying came from? Any hockey fans in the room? A few. 1980, the United States team was in the semifinals against no other than the Soviet Union the best hockey team on the planet against a bunch of American amateurs, mostly college kids or post-college. And I remember, I remember sitting in the family room, I think in Michigan, where I lived then, watching that with my stepdad, Tony, at the time, and I was like, I, I was just caught up into it, and quite frankly, I never played hockey in my life. But it was the Olympics, and, and this was David, against Goliath, and they won. And the announcer said, do you believe in miracles? And I was like, yeah! And I don't think I watched another hockey game for years. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> and they went on to win the gold medal, I think against Sweden. Could have been Norway. I don't remember. 
But it, that game, when they beat the Soviet Union, it was like they believed in something as a team that I think was bigger than wins and losses. That was something bigger than beating the Soviet Union. And it was like, look, let's just go out and play to the best of our abilities. And maybe even beyond. Because as a team, we are inspiring one another to play to that level. Romans 15, 13 says this, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Oftentimes the Bible translates the word believe as trust. And sometimes you go read two different versions, the NLT or the NIV. It might be believe in one and the other is trust. Because there's a passage where it says even the demons believe and shudder. So it's not about, is there a God? It's about, do I have a personal relationship with the God that created me and wants to redeem me? And am I willing to just begin to let go and to trust, not just believe that he exists? So realize that, the joy and peace because you trust in him, it says in Romans. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So those days, those moments where you may wake up like I have awakened at times and felt hopeless. Most of the time, I try to run to God's word and say, wait a minute, I got to remind myself that nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. Nothing can separate my family, my children. If they have put their trust in Jesus, nothing can separate them from his love, not even death. And certainly not this crazy human life we might live. What do you believe in? And do you believe in miracles? I kind of thought about this way. The lasso way could also be called the lasso spirit. There's a, there's a spirit about this character that is so darn likable. And there's many scenes where they go into a British pub and they have a I was going to say a cold beer, but I'm just going to say a cool beer. Because they don't serve ice cold beer over there. But I would love to go have a beer with Jason Sudeikis. Okay, actually Ted, but you know him playing that character would be really good. Because he just has this thing about him. He's not just this coach on the field. He's, like, he's almost like a life coach. It's almost like we could all have our own little Ted Lasso life coach. And I, and I got to thinking, he operates very much like the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a coach. He is a mentor. He is an advocate. He's a comforter. He's a challenger. He protects us. He attempts to make us the best version of ourselves that we could be. He, he is the one responsible for transforming us with our help, obviously, with our at least joining in to become Christ-like. That's his job. So although Jesus came to this earth and the Spirit would never say, look at me, look at me, look at me. The Spirit constantly says, look at the Father, look at the Son, look at the Father, look at the Son. Do what he said, follow what he said. He, here's how much he loves you. He's, he's this other-centered being that is trying to elevate each and every one of us to some different level than we are today. 
We don't have to change to receive his love, but once we say we're going to trust in him, or as we say, we're going to learn to trust in him and learn to be obedient to the Spirit, he transforms us. I believe C.S. Lewis called him the hound of heaven. And I know in my life, that is so true. Because in those times and days and moments, sometimes even weeks, when I get into this complacent state in my spiritual journey, he will not leave me alone. He's relentless. He's a great coach. John 14, 15 through 17 says, If you love me, this is Jesus speaking, obey my commandments. Wow. He didn't say a few of them. Didn't say one of them. He says commandments, plural. And then he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Another way to think about that is a person to come alongside or to be with you in, actually, in, in actuality in you. But he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The, word, the world excuse me, cannot rec- receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. This was before Jesus died. This was before he was resurrected. This was before he returned to heaven. But as he did in the Holy Spirit, he breathed and the Holy Spirit dwelt among them, amongst them and in them and in us today as well. He inspires us to be like Christ. So the question still is, do you believe in believe? Do you believe in hope, in faith, in joy? Let me ask it a different way. What do you believe in? Is it America? Is it, is it, is it wealth? Is it security? Is it comfort? Is it entertainment? Is it an altered state of mind? What consumes most of your time, your thoughts, and your energy? That might be or might help you answer the question, what do you believe? We're about to approach one of the most religious times of the year. Coming up in December, obviously leading into Christmas and and obviously Easter would be another time where I would encourage you, the world is going to come at you if it already hasn't. Those of you that have been in stores or went out on Black Friday, you're insane, by the way, if you did. But if you did, that's all right. And you know Christmas has already been out there. It's been out there since, I think, early October. And you were marketed to and marketed at. And we got to get little Johnny the gift, and we got to do this. And it's like, what if you could step back and just say, wait a minute, what, wait, what do I believe? And while I let what I think I believe in, what I want to believe in, what I probably need a little help in believing in, will I let that drive my life for the next four weeks, for the next four months, for the next four years, or rest of your life? That doesn't mean you want to have ups and downs. You certainly will. We all do. Galatians 5, 16 through 24. I just want to read a portion of that. And this version is from the NASB. And the reason I'm reading it from that version is because it chooses to use the word walk versus live. But it says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, 
and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. So if you are walking hand in hand with the Spirit, if you are engaging God on a regular basis, if you are connected to Him, much like Ted Lasso attempts to connect with the people that he's connected with, all those people in the organization that he's in, and his, and his son, and actually even his wife, that's soon to be ex-wife. As you walk hand in hand with the Spirit, He guides you. He helps you believe what you might struggle believing in. And some of you may know this passage cold, but it goes on to say, that what, what are the fruits of the Spirit? It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. When I think about that list versus the list prior, let me read the list that's not of the Spirit, that's of your flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity, indecent behavior, idolatry, witchcraft, hostilities, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. That darn near just described the last time I looked at Facebook. We are a world right now where we're, we are divisive and we're at each other's throats, and anything goes. But the fruit of the Spirit, if you walk with Him, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, I forgot one, faithfulness and self-control. In those moments when I don't display those things in my life, I know that I'm not following the Spirit. I'm following my flesh. I encourage you to uh, go spend the $4.99 and watch this series. If you don't like certain language, you're going to have to get past that because there is a powerful, powerful message in this show. And I'm anticipating the next season already, as many of you probably are. But Ted has an amazing impact on so many people in this show. But one person in particular I'd like us to watch a little clip about, and that is Nathan. So we're supposed to meet with Rebecca Welton. Yeah, that's where I'm taking you. Oh, look at this guy. One step ahead. Hey, what's your name, by the way? Me? Yeah. No one ever asked my name. Oh, uh, it's Nathan. Nathan! Oh, I love that name. Hey, love your hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Oh, good, good. You, you all got Nathan's hot dogs here? No. Okay. I love this kid. Love him. Let me use in a sentence so it sticks. The gaffer, Nathan. Going out to the pitch. Yep. The grass here. To watch practice. Training. They call practice training. Oh, he's vernacular. Won't be tough. You know what? I'm gonna get it, though. Because uh, training makes perfect. There you go. Oh, there's a man. Come on, boys, mark your man! Eyes on the man you're marking, come on! Ooh, who is that? Roy Kent, team captain, classic old-school box-to-box midfielder. Definitely lost a step. Well, you know, he's a legend. Won a Champions League with Chelsea, so... Eight years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, what? That is a darn fine sports mix, young fella. Don't you try this? Oh, that does not come lightly from that bill, I'll tell you that. But you continue to impress, Nathan. You remember my name. <laughs> hey, Nate, 
Who, me? Yeah, until we get another Nate here, I just need you to assume you're my default Nate. Okay. Right. Got a question for you. What's the buzz on Sam here? Seems a little down in the dumps. Yeah, he's been uh, underachieving since he got here from Nigeria. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, first time away from home is never easy. We're gonna have to do something to Nigeria him up, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm Will. I'm the new clubhouse attendant. No, you're not. I'm the clubhouse attendant. Hey, Higgins, where are you? What's going on? I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out myself. Figure what out? Have I been sacked? Has he been fired? I, I don't know anything about this, Ted. Good morning, yeah. everyone. You shrew. You did this, didn't you? Why so hostile, Nathan? Right, I'll tell you why. You know my name? Well, I had to spell it correctly for your contract. Hey, dog, you haven't been fired. It's worse. You've been promoted. You saw probably, you know, both seasons worth in a short clip of the impact that he had on that young man's life. He had that kind of impact with a lot of people, actually. We could, we could do a clip like that on so many people, from Rebecca to Roy or Jamie Tart. And for those of you that are parents, you guys want to sing it with me? Jamie Tart, do, 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 Jamie Tart. No? All right, fine. <laughs> Fuzzy, you're one amazing light guy. Uh, he, has, he has an amazing impact on Keeley, on Sam, uh, even on Higgins. Uh, the way I thought about it is they are infected with his way, with his spirit, with this virus of, of positivity, of seeing something in someone, just relating to them, asking about them, knowing their name, believing in them, and helping them believe in themselves. And then just watching people literally bloom, they blossom in this show. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody does, but so many of the people that he interacts with and has connection with, they, they blossom. And we're called to do the same. Some of you were here Tuesday night for the Friendsgiving, and for those folks, I apologize, you're going to be a little repetitive. But I happen to live with a woman, Julie, who's been such a positive person like this in my life and so many others from the preschool to ABC zone to the small groups that we've had in our home and elsewhere she's this positive influence she allows the spirit to speak to her she quiets herself she hears and then she does something a lot of us don't do including myself is she acts she acts on what the spirit guides her to do and she makes a huge difference in people's lives I get to see that up close and personal, even more so now because we're empty nesters. And I, I see her doing it with me even over my lifetime. I think about where I would be without this woman's influence in my life and her, her following the Spirit to help guide me as a husband, as a father, grandfather, as a friend. 
Philippians 2, 1 through 3 kind of sums this all up for me. It says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. And he goes on to say this, don't be selfish. Man, I need that on my mirror a lot. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. That one too. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. A friend of mine came up to me a few weeks ago, and now it's a few months ago, I should say, and said, hey, I just want to tell you something that my wife said. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. She said that your wife, Julie, is one of the most humble servants of Christ she's ever met. Matter of fact, the most. I'm like, wow. I really wanted her to tell my wife that. But I got to go home and share that with my wife. And, you know, she was like, wow, thank you. And accept it with humility. I'd have been like, yeah, super Christian, and I got the cape. No, I don't. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Ted Lasso, in this show, he lives that out. Whether he was following Christ or the Holy Spirit, you know, we don't get a say in that. They don't really allude to that. I'm not trying to put that on that show. But you can just tell a person that lives with that sort of belief and faith and hope and joy. Would you pray for me? Pray with me. You can pray for me too. (laughs) Maybe after today you really should. (laughs) Oh God, thank you for laughter. Thank you for how many times during this show you made us laugh. You made us cry. I learned, God, what the word oi means, and I think I know, but maybe I don't. I did learn this from Ted, that he is just this powerful force of positivity. He believes in something so much. He believes in the potential in human life that if he can help draw it out and help people be be a better version of themselves, then he's won, whether they win in the game or not. And so when I think about my spiritual journey, our spiritual journeys, for those people in the room and watching online, everywhere, that as you call us alive, that as you show us how much you love us by what you did on the cross, saying right there, all the sin in your life, past, present, and future, has been accounted for. It's done. It is finished, you said. And then you gave us the spirit to reside amongst us and within us to call us to some better version of ourselves towards being just like your son, Jesus. Thank you for being the one that's always been there, for being in us, for calling us alive, and for helping us be better versions of ourselves, even when we struggle to believe. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.